Hello, and welcome to the weekly sermon podcast of Harvest Church here in Elk Grove. We're excited to have you join us as we share God's message of hope and love. Each week, we bring you a new message from our pastors and guest speakers designed to inspire, uplift your spirits, and challenge you. Whether you're listening on your commute, at home, or on a walk, we hope these messages will bring you closer to God and help you on your faith journey. So without further ado, let's listen in. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 5. Praise God. If you don't mind, please stand with me. We're going to read the scripture and move into this message. The title of my message today is called Faith Enhancers. Look at your neighbor and say, Faith Enhancers. Amen and amen. 2 Peter 1 and verse 5 says this, But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if you have these things, or these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of your Lord Jesus Christ. Father, right now, in the name of your son, Jesus, I pray that you would touch your people. I pray that you would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation. I pray that you would enlighten the eyes of our understanding. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to perceive what the Lord is saying, that we might turn and be healed. I pray that a powerful presence of Jesus would just continue to give us insight into the word and what you desire to do, Father God. You've established the word of God in the heavens, now establish it in our hearts and help us to live by faith, walk by faith, and follow and glorify you by faith in the mighty name of your son, Jesus Christ. And everyone who knows that he is good, let me hear you say, amen Amen and amen. Praise God, you may be seated. This is part two of my message called Faith enhancers. And really the idea of this message came as I was reading this, I thought about the water, the enhancers that we have for water. I remember the first time someone came with one of those little plastic bottles that you squeeze the colored liquids into your water. And they say, hey, pastor, would you like for me to squeeze some flavor in your water? And I I looked at them like they were a UFO from from Mars coming to Earth because I thought it was kind of weird that they wanted to squeeze some colored stuff into my water because I didn't know what an enhancer was. But I've come to realize that an enhancer does several things. It adds flavor, it adds vitamins, it adds uh, hydration, it adds nutrients to something. And in the same way, an enhancer biblically in this sense, and let me give you this definition, an enhance or to enhance something means to intensify, to increase, or further improve the quality, the value, or the extent of something. So when we talk about faith enhancers, we're talking about enhancing or adding even greater value to something that is already important. So we're talking about enhancing our faith. We're speaking of intensifying, increasing, or improving our faith or the value and the quality of our faith. So Peter wants us to understand that these things make something good even better. Amen? I had uh, Sister Montemont, she brought me a, a cheesecake uh, after the first service. I said, Sister, I said, why are you tempting me right now? 
I said, do you know how tempted I am right now to go in the green room and eat this cheesecake between services? But that's going to be a problem when you have to get up and speak and you have cheesecake in the back of your throat. Anyone, uh, you don't know what I'm talking about. It's okay. It's a problem. Just trust me. Amen. But the way that you take something like a cheesecake that's great is maybe add some strawberry toppings on it or some cherry toppings or some blueberry toppings. It takes something great and it enhances it to bring it to the next level. So when we talk about faith enhancers, we're talking about the greatness of the faith that we have in God, but adding something to it that's going to make it go to the next level. When Peter spoke about enhancers, he talked about the maximum effort to lavishly add enhancers to our faith. So when we talk about enhancers, what are we talking about? The enhancers are graces from God that we add to our faith to cause it to be more effective. How many of you want a more effective faith? Can I get a hand? Yes, we want our faith to be more effective. So last week, I covered three faith enhancers. I covered virtue, I covered knowledge, and I covered self-control. This week, I'm going to talk about perseverance, godliness, and brotherly kindness. Amen? Praise God. Let's jump into the enhancers. The first enhancer I want to talk to you about today is called perseverance. Look at your neighbor and say perseverance. Perseverance is the patience or the endurance in doing what is right and never giving up in temptation or trial. It's the enhancer or the patience or endurance in doing what is right and never giving in to temptation or trial. Perseverance is that spiritual staying power that will die before it gives in. When Jesus was in the garden, he said, Father, if there is any other way, let this cup pass for me. He said, if there is any other option or alternative. And the father said, son, there is no other way. And because of that, he persevered and said, if there is no other way, then I'm going to settle down, buckle down, and I will drink the cup of suffering because if this is what you have me going through, then this is what I'll walk through. I will not quit. I'll not give up. I'll not stop because you have ordained your will and your purpose for my life. And when we talk about perseverance, we're talking about God giving us the grace to not give up. Perseverance is that spiritual staying power that will never, that says it will die before it gives in. Amen. We have to realize there are some things as it pertains to our faith that we have to be willing to press through and not give up just because things get a little bit hard. You hear what I'm saying? When you are going on that diet at the beginning of the year and you're, you're eating vegetables and drinking water and you're eating clean and all of that, and then someone brings you a cheesecake in between service, you have to persevere and keep going. I'm eating my cheesecake out the service, by the way. I'm just saying. I'm not on a clean diet right now. But if I was, you have to persevere. Hebrews 10.36 says this. <clears throat> you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. You need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. Many times we have a microwave mentality because we do God's will and then we're waiting and saying, okay, God, now 
fulfill what you promised me. And God says, no, do my will and be patient and wait until I decide to bring the fulfillment of what I've promised you. Amen? Amen. Abraham had a promise from God that God would give him a son and that his son would be the fulfillment of the promise. That's why we call Isaac the promised son. But Abraham, from the time of promise to the time of fulfillment, was a 25-year window. He did not receive the promise immediately, but he had to persevere for 25 years until God brought to pass what he promised him because this is is the importance and the value of adding perseverance to our faith. How many things have God promised you but you're still waiting for? Let me see your hand. This is why you need perseverance to be added to your faith. Because God wants you to continue to endure until you see come to pass what he has promised. And part of your trust in him is not treating him like a slot machine or a lotto machine. Amen. I know none of y'all know what I'm talking about. You've only seen it on television. You don't know. It's, you've seen it in the movies. You've never seen that in real life. But if you have, that means that you look for instant gratification or instant fulfillment. And God's saying, I need you to trust me and walk with me until you see the promise come to pass. The study Bible says this. Perseverance is a virtue which we can endure with vibrant hope, not simply resigned to the difficulty of a situation. So when we have trust and we persevere, we have a hope that God is going to do what he promised us he would do. We don't give up just because things get a little bit difficult. We don't break down just because trials are coming and we don't understand why it's taking so long for God to show up. When the Bible says in Ephesians, when you've done everything that you can do to stand, stand some more. That means you, you stand guard and you wait until the general shows up and gives you direction and leadership for the command that he has for you. Amen. We look at your name and we tell them, you got to get rid of the spiritual ADD. <laughs> Y'all didn't want to tell nobody. It's all right. Praise God. You have to get rid of the spiritual ADD. We got spiritual attention deficit disorder. We can't sit still. We can't wait for the promise. We can't allow God to unfold things. Sometimes when God gives you a promise, he tells you the promise, and then he's putting everything in place so that he can get maximum glory and so that your life can fully embrace what he has told you he wants to do. Because some things God has promised you, you're not yet mature enough to receive. Hey, hey. So the, the waiting is not because God doesn't have the ability to deliver. The waiting is because you don't have the maturity to receive. Oh. <laughs> hey. As we mature, as we grow, as we persevere and add perseverance to our faith, we trust knowing that God's going to do what he promised he would do in our lives. Amen? Amen. The thought that's coming to my mind right now 
Uh, my, my brother, if my brother's watching, bro, I love you. I love, I'm talking about my brother that I grew up with. My brother got in more trouble by the first grade than both my sister and I gotten in in all of school to graduation. We made it through the 12th grade, 24 years of school combined, and he got in more trouble by the first grade than both of us. I don't know what was wrong with him. He just was, he came out the womb just full of crazy. I, you, you, have, you have any siblings? Like, don't raise your hand if you do. But if you have any siblings that came out of the womb full of crazy, he just happened to be that sibling. And my mom did something awesome. She said, your first vehicle, I'll get your first vehicle. Now, it was a hoopty, but it still was a first vehicle. If you don't know what the hoopty is, just look it up in Google. Praise God. <laughs> my first, my sister's oldest. She got the first vehicle. Bam, no problem. I'm number two. I got the first vehicle. My brother came along. My mom never gave him a first vehicle. <laughs> And the reality is, can I tell you a secret? My mother financially was in a better place than she had ever been when he came along. It wasn't a financial issue. It was a maturity issue. Because he had not exhibited the maturity to be able to handle having a vehicle and not being reckless with it. You hear what I'm talking about? So once again, it's not that God doesn't have the ability to bring to pass what he promised. Sometimes we have to mature into the promise so that he can bless us. Amen? Number two, oh, let me give you a couple of uh, powerful quotes. Nelson Mandela said this. He said, it always seems impossible until it is done. It always seems impossible until it's done. This is talking about perseverance. John Maxwell said the only guarantee for failure is to stop trying. Sometimes we don't see what God said he's going to do because we quit before we cross the finish line. And God's trying to teach us don't quit until you see the promise fulfilled. One year, five year, 10 year, 15 year, 20 year. You don't stop until God shows you the finish line. Warren Wiersbe says this, nothing paralyzes our lives like the attitude that things can never change. We need to remind ourselves that God can change anything. God can change anything. One of the major points of unbelief when we say, well, God can do it for you, but he can't do it for me. Well, God can bless them, but God can't bless me. Who do you think you are to limit God to even your silliness and your foolishness and your short-sightedness? God is able to take you and bless you because he is able to bless you even in spite of you sometimes. Amen? Praise God. Now, the second uh, enhancer we're going to talk about today is godliness. Look at your neighbor and say godliness. Godliness means to live reverently loyally and obediently towards God, to live reverently, loyally, and obediently towards God. 
This is when we do what we sang in that last song when we say, Jesus, be the center of it all. And if all of the decisions that we made, the relationships that we engaged in, the business partners we connected with, the ministries we connected with, if we would have those three principles, Lord, does this person, this marriage, this relationship, this business, this school, this decision, does this bring reverence, does this reverence your name? Will this thing cause me to break loyalty or keep loyalty with you and choosing to do it? And finally, will I act in obedience or disobedience as I am making this decision? If you can answer the question and it be yes, that you are reverencing God, you're living loyally before him, and you're obeying him in the decision that you are making, then you are living a godly life. But ungodliness comes in when we live in irreverence towards God. We're disloyal to him because of the decisions or the relationships or the connections or we're living in a place of disobedience that is living an ungodly life. We think living ungodly, I'm not going to give you an example of living ungodly, but we think living ungodly is some gross sins. You can look clean, smell clean, but not live clean because you're not living in a place where God is being reverenced through your life, your decisions, or your relationships. Amen? Amen. Godliness is the grace of God to live for God and act in a manner that is pleasing to God. It is God's grace on your life to live for him and act in a manner that is pleasing to him. Peter wanted the believer to know that you already have every spiritual resource to manifest, sustain, and perfect godly living. I said this in the first service, and I'm going to say it to you all now. God wants to keep you more than you want to be kept. God wants to keep you more than you want to be kept. And when it's 2 o'clock in the morning and the devil's telling you to just click that little button or click on that link, you need to tell yourself no because this is not going to glorify God if I choose to engage in this activity. When you get that text message in the middle of the night, say, hey, what you doing? You want to drop by and it's 2.30 in the morning. You probably need to either ignore it or say, no, I will not be dropping by in the middle of the morning because there is no good thing found in that location. You want me to meet you at at 2.30 in the morning. I know that's the church in Galt. That's not the people here in Y'all send them the link to this message. Hey, y'all need to listen to this. We don't do that over at Harvest Church. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Hey. Titus 2, 11 and 12 says this. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. God has given us grace to live for him. Amen? The Bible says there's no temptation that has come upon you except that which is common to man, but, everyone say but, but, 
but with every temptation, God will provide you a way of escape. That means when the devil is in your ear trying to tell you to do something you're not supposed to do, God will give you an escape route. You just have to be willing to look for it. Amen. 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 <laughs> You can't walk around saying, Jesus, I don't see it. I don't know where it's at, Lord. <laughs> Tell your neighbors, say, stop playing games. <laughs> I don't see it, Jesus. Where is it at? First Timothy 6, 6 says this. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Young people, I want to tell you this. If you grew up in church or you've been in church for years, the devil will lie and tell you that you are missing out on something. You're not missing out on anything you don't need to miss out on. But it is true, you are missing out on something. You're missing out on regret. You're missing out on shame. You're missing out on embarrassing your families. You're missing out on embarrassing yourselves. You're missing out on sin that will make you feel bad about yourself. You're missing out on the low self-esteem that comes with living a foul life. You are missing out on those things. The devil's right. You are missing out on something. And God wants you to get to the place where you realize that what you do for God and what you do in the name of the Lord is something that you should be content with and you are not missing out on anything you don't need in your life. Adam and Eve faced the same issue because the serpent came to them and said to Eve, God is withholding something good from you and you are missing out on something. And she believed the lie and she ate the fruit and she introduced in death, sickness, infirmity. That's what they were missing out on. But that came because they thought they were missing out on something when everything God had for them for life and godliness was provided in his presence. Amen. Amen. The enemy is always trying to get us to think that there's something better out there. And there's not. There's not. Everybody tick-tocking and doing all the... There ain't nothing out there. And listen, some of y'all are too old to be TikToking. <laughs> they need to put an age limit on TikTok. Like, no, you hit the cutoff, you can't TikTok. Amen? <laughs> you hit your TikTok expiration date, you don't do it. Grandparents, don't let your grandbabies t- bait you into TikToking. It don't look that cool. Let's just keep that for the family, amen? That's for free, amen? G.V. Wigram says this, I am born of God. I have power to overcome all that is not of God and to walk according to God. Godliness is a grace that God gives you to reverence his name, to live loyally before him, and to obey his word. Amen? And finally, brotherly kindness. Look at your neighbor say, brotherly kindness. That includes sisterly kindness as well. (laughs) 
Brotherly kindness is a, an affection, a brotherly affection, or an affection for other believers and a mutual sacrifice for one another. 1 John 4, 20 and 21 says this, if someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we say we love God whom we cannot see? Mm. That is in your Bible too, praise the Lord. And he has given us this commandment, those who love God must also love their fellow believers. Amen? I know we say we love God, but we don't like people. Oh, Jesus. Mm. Yes. Jesus, I love you, but I don't like that sister over there. <laughs> Yes, Lord. Jesus said, I, I didn't tell you to like them. I told you to love them. Mm. I told you to prefer them before yourself. I told you to do what's in their best interest before you seek your own personal best interest. I told you to love your neighbor as you love yourself. See, we, we stopped too short of the finish line. The Lord says, no, I need you to go all the way across the line because this is where God receives glory. Amen. Mahatma Gandhi, who was not a Christian, he was a Hindu, he says, whenever you are confronted with an opponent, conquer him with love. And I'm going to come back to Mahatma uh, Gandhi in a second. Matthew Henry said, brotherly love is still the distinguishing badge of every true Christian. You want to know how the world's going to know if we're real Christians? How we love each other and how we love people. Mm -hmm. Anonymous author said, I sought my soul, but my soul I could not see. I sought my God, but my God eluded me. I sought my brother and I found all three. Ooh, yes. I sought my soul, but my soul I could not see. I sought my God, but my God eluded me. I sought my brother, and I found all three. Yes. Luke six twenty-eight. This is going to cure 90% of the stuff that you're dealing with in your life right now. I'm going to look at your neighbor and say, uh, Pastor John's about to set you free. <laughs> Actually, the word is about to set you free, but I'm just quoting what the word has already said. Amen. I'm a preacher. Thank you. Luke 6:28 says, bless those who curse you and pray for those who mistreat you. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who mistreat you. Don't get nervous. Don't twitch. Don't look to the left. Don't look to the right. Just look straight at that B on the, on the screen. You're going to be all right for the next few moments. Said, bless those who curse you and pray for those who mistreat you. 
When you read this scripture and you read the context, you may look at this and say, God, this is a difficult thing to do. And why would you ask me to do such a hard thing? And I want to give you three examples of people who did the hard thing because of the level and the power of impact. I told you earlier about Mahatma Gandhi and the quote that he said about whenever we are confronted with an opponent, conquer him with love. Mahatma, Mahatma Gandhi was a Hindu, but he studied the Bible and he studied the teachings of Jesus. And the Bible and the gospel was the methodology that he employed against the British government to break their overtaking, their oppression of the people of India. So what they did is they fasted and they protested in the act of love, not of hatred and vengeance. And he caused the strongest nation in the world at the time to leave their shores all because he conquered his enemy with love that's not just a scripture that has the power to shift entire cultures and nations Martin Luther King went and studied two people he studied the teachings of Jesus Christ and he went and studied what Gandhi was doing in India and during the times of Jim Crow he said we're going to do this and they employed loving your neighbor and blessing your enemy and not cursing your enemy. And through that, they were able to break Jim Crow in the South back in the 60s. Nelson Mandela did not believe in Jesus per se, but he studied the teachings of Gandhi and found out what Martin Luther King was doing in America. And he took these principles that they gained from the Bible and the Gospels and they applied it to South Africa and they were able to defeat apartheid. When you bless those who curse you, and you pray for those who mistreat you, God has given you the master plan, the master key, and the master tool to defeat any enemy or adversary that may be coming against you no matter how strong they are, no matter how well-armed they are, and no matter how great their influence to come against you happen to be. This scripture works because brotherly kindness is an affection and a sacrifice that you make not for yourself but for others. And what happens is you actually have the ability to win people because they see that you are willing to love them in spite of them. Yes. 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 Jesus hung on the cross. He's been crucified by his own people. They've betrayed him to the Romans. The Romans are putting him and nailed him to the cross. In his last words, speaking of humanity, he looks down from the cross. And what did he say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Wow. And we're in this church today because we are forgiven. By the sacrifice and the power of Jesus Christ on the cross, amen. Hallelujah. Peter said, add these enhancers to your faith. If you add perseverance, if you add godliness, if you add brotherly kindness, 
your faith will be so effective that people will know that you walk with Jesus and that they should desire what you have because of the impact that your faith will make upon them. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Bow your heads with me. Come on, Pastor Nelson. These enhancers are graces from God that we add to our faith to cause us to be more effective. When we diligently pursue the Lord and make the maximum effort to lavish these enhancers to our faith, we, we will effectively walk in his kingdom and walk with our God. Today, I believe that the Lord is trying to bring freedom and deliverance to his people. He's trying to bring us to a place where we are no longer struggling with our faith, but we walk in freedom because we understand the power of perseverance. We understand the power of godliness, and we understand the power of brotherly kindness. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast. We pray that today's message has touched your heart and encouraged your spirit. We believe that the Word of God has the power to transform our lives and inspire us to be better versions of ourselves. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please share it with your friends and family. And don't forget to subscribe to our channel for more inspirational messages. Until next time, may the good Lord bless you. And we look forward to seeing you at one of our weekend services and sharing with you once again next week.